0: Welcome to the Globetrotten ADs. This podcast is for you, athletic directors, activity coordinators, coaches, and program associates based in international schools around the world. The Globetrotten ADs is proudly hosted by Nick DeForest from the American International School of Vienna and Matt Fleming from the American International School
1: of Budapest. Here they are now, Nick and Matt and the globe trotting ad's hi everybody welcome to this week's episode of the globe trotting ad's our guest today is dr greg dale he is a professor of sports psychology and sport ethics at duke university located in north carolina usa he is also the director of the sports psychology and leadership programs for duke athletics in addition to his work with Duke athletes and coaches, Greg also consults with numerous college and professional athletes teams, as well as high school teaching and coaching staff. So we're happy to have Greg. We're honored to have his insight here. So how are you doing, Nick? Uh,
2: yeah, um, I'm great. Thanks, Matt. And uh, yeah, Greg, thank you for being uh, with us. It was great getting to know you. We talked uh, not too long ago uh, to set this all up um, after a great introduction from Kirby. So I want to say thanks to Kirby right, uh, right off the start. Yeah. I know Matt read the read the standard bio, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself or, or just how you got into this field, at least.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I love that you guys are doing this and providing a great service for administrators and coaches around the world. So uh, I, I love it. And so, I, you know, I grew up in a small town in Texas. I spent my time in Texas and, and Alaska. That's where I spent my childhood, did several sports. I was going to be a teacher and a coach. And uh, I went to grad school up in New York City, up at Columbia, and was doing educational administration and took a psychology of sport class. And what the heck is this? I've never even heard of this. And totally started investigating it and completely changed my trajectory and what I was doing. I really, uh, you know, obviously I had a passion for sport, and the psychology of it really intrigued me. And I knew I wanted to work with coaches as well as athletes. So I had some experiences as an athlete, but I wanted to coach and so I coached there in New York City for six years and then I moved back to Texas where I'm from and taught and coached in San Antonio for a little while before I moved on to finish up my graduate program and I've been at Duke now for uh, 20 years and uh, just have the the best job. I get to work with athletes and coaches every day who are working to try to improve what they're doing so
2: uh, it's great. So I guess you got, you've you kind of fell into it, right? I mean, obviously your love for coaching, like you said, and, and playing sports yourself, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. And I really, uh, I, I look at it like I'm kind of coaching the coaches now, just like I'm still coaching athletes. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously not teaching the technical parts. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I love about what I do is that I get to work with rowers. I get to work with football players, basketball players, tennis players, skiers, just kind of all across the board, um, and work with their coaches. So I've had to learn, uh, you know, the, the culture of fencing, for instance. I, I, don't, you know, I never knew what fencing was before I started working with fencers, but I really had to work and learn the challenges of, of doing that. And uh, I like what I do because it's different every day. I'll meet with athletes in my office individually. I'll go meet with a team or a couple of teams in the afternoon, go to a practice or two, have lunch with a coach, or maybe have breakfast with the coaching staff. Um, and then I also get to work with some coaches and athletes and, uh, outside of Duke and Duke has been very, uh, good with that and feel like it's good for the Duke brand. And, uh, when I do that, and so I've been very fortunate to spend
1: some time outside of that as well. And do you have a staff that works with you or you have like uh, undergrads or? No, no, uh, no it's just, it's, it's, it's just
0: like... me. Now, recently we have hired We've hired two individuals recently at, in the athletic department to focus exclusively on mental health just because we've really seen a rise in the, the challenges that kids are facing, uh, at the college level, uh, kids, our kids struggle with uh, adversity. They struggle with failure. They struggle making decisions on their own again uh, at Duke for many of our athletes, uh, for the first time in their lives, Uh, they're having to really face face failure Mm -hmm. growing up. They were the best athletes, not not only on their teams, but in their entire state or certainly in their leagues or whatever. And many of them were the smartest kids or some of the smartest kids in their class. And you come to Duke and you're neither one of those now. And so that's really a tough adjustment. And, um, I spend a lot of time talking to parents. Uh, I think it's, it's us. We are the ones that kind of are screwing our kids up a little bit in terms of not letting them fail. And we have our hearts in the right place and our tensions are, are great, but what we do in service sometimes, or just justice and injustice, I should say, sometimes when we try to fix everything for them. So
1: I really have a passion for trying to help parents because I see it with the athletes I work with in college. Okay. So a lot of work you spend with, you spend a lot of time probably with those incoming freshmen when they're first coming in and getting adapted to independence and school yeah. life and college life. And then also yeah. playing a major level sport. Yeah. Cool question. There's
0: know, a, it is like, a really, right. And it's a really big adjustment for them to, you know, that cliche of going from being a big fish in a little pond to now you're a, a little fish in a really large ocean, so right. to speak. And it really is true. It's a real thing. And, it's for the first time in your life, if you're having to deal with failure and much of your identity is in who you are as an athlete. Uh, and now that has been kind of diminished in, in many ways. So we spent a lot of time focusing on how else can you impact this team? How else can you have uh, uh, an influence? If we take playing time out of the equation, if that's the only reason you do it, you're going to be miserable. And if you're, if that's the only way you get some, positivity from it then you're going to struggle so we try to help them find different ways
2: that they can have an impact that's great yeah the way the way you described your job is exactly what i like about being an athletic director you know you deal with parents you deal with kids different sports that you you know you would have never played when you were young you have to get to know all these different facets um Mm -hmm. it it maybe me want to think about what were your sports when you were when you were an athlete yourself
0: yeah so yeah back in the day right I, i I, uh, so growing up in Texas, obviously I played football, right? You got to play football if yeah. you're in Texas. And so I played football, ran track, played baseball. When we lived in Alaska, I was there for five years. And during my middle school years played basket. I'm, I'm sorry, played hockey. Mm-hmm. So I learned to skate and very thankful for that. And, you know, we had this great, uh, we put an all-star team together in uh, Alaska and we took this all-star team to Canada. To play a series of games, we played 12 games. We went 0 for 12 in that series. The Closest game I think was six nothing that we lost. We thought we were really good, and we went to Canada and just got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, we, it was it was definitely a humbling experience. <laughs> well, they're um, taking a little yeah.
1: serious up there, huh? Nick, uh, well, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Well, just a little. bit.
2: It's <laughs> no, funny that you no. you said that about you know being from Texas and having to play football, but you know I'm no. Canadian and it's it's the same thing. Okay. You, you gotta, yeah. you gotta play hockey, and and you love it. So that's the same, right, same thing, really. Uh, but yeah. moving international, as as yeah, you know, Matt and I are um, hockey definitely doesn't fit uh, the international school mold, and and neither Why? does football. Um, there are a few schools, obviously, that have it, but not many. Um, so really, our, our athletes it, uh, they're different. The international school athlete, and I know you've you've gone international to a couple of conferences. Um, yes, can you? Maybe tell us a little bit about your experience with the, the international world.
1: Yeah,
0: so I wish I would have discovered the international world when I was coming out of college, because I think, I don't think, I, I know I would have taken that <laughs> opportunity. I have a son who's uh, a junior at Carolina, at other place eight, eight miles down the road. Uh, <laughs> you know, his siblings have put, wanted to put him up for adoption now, because he's kind of wearing that, that, uh, that other color blue now, but but he wants to be a teacher and a coach or he's trying to decide whether he wants to try to, he works with the men's basketball program over at Carolina and he's trying to decide, does he do it in college or does he do it in high school? And if he, if he goes the high school route, I'm, I'm absolutely pushing and encouraging him to do the international route. I just think it's amazing. There's this whole world of international schools out there. And I, the first time I had the experience with that, I spoke, uh, at the, uh, uh, conference that Kirby Boychuk uh, helps coordinate there uh, in Thailand. We, we did it in, in Bangkok and uh, it was just amazing being able to spend some time with athletic administrators from around the world, uh, really helping them just like I work with the ADs in, in, in high school athletes in, in, in America. Mm-hmm. You guys have the same types of issues, uh, same, same things, helping develop your coaches, helping your kids have a good experience, helping trying to guide parents and help them do their part in helping kids have a good experience as well. And uh, so as a result of that, uh, I've been over there a couple times and done a keynote for them, a couple keynotes, and done some uh, workshops for them. And then as a result, I've had the opportunity to go to Vietnam and uh, I've done some work at Eunice Hanoi there. Uh, I did some work in Jakarta at the Intercultural School American intercultural school in Jakarta did some work uh, at the American school in London oh, wow. uh, with their guys. And then uh, American school in Bombay spoke at a conference there for teachers and coaches okay. at that. But the other places I went to the schools themselves and mm-hmm. um, I spent some time with everyone. I I do leadership training. I kind of focus on three things. I focus on leadership development. I focus on culture there's a great saying that culture will eat strategy for lunch every day, and I think it'll eat it for breakfast and dinner and everything else. And so, um, and then I focus on obviously performance and the psychology of performance. And I would argue that those principles uh, apply to all aspects of life, whether you're an attorney, you're a physician, you are a corporate executive working with a team, or you're a high school coach, or you're a captain, or you're a parent of an athlete those things apply. And so when I go to schools, I really like to work with all the groups. I like to do work with uh, the admin team. So doing leadership training and, mm-hmm. and team dynamics with them, uh, working with coaches on the art of coaching and their credibility as coaches, work with them on psychology of coaching and how to help their athletes develop their mental skills. Mm-hmm. I work with teachers and try to help teachers with their, uh, helping them understand that the culture in their classroom is a reflection on them and And their leadership in that situation so how do they do that work with kids and then work with parents so when i go i get to spend time with everyone and it's it's been a a great experience and i've gotten a lot of great feedback from from doing that that's great
2: do they uh, because as an athlete and a a, you know an ad i i see that all those things are related like you said you know like how a teacher runs a class you know it's like how a coach runs a um you know a practice and there's all these similarities but i find that a lot of teachers that don't coach or aren't athletes just they can't realize that they think it's two totally different worlds and you know i've mm-hmm. had some conversations in that area do you when you go work with teachers are there do you do you feel that or something hey this guy's an athlete he's a sports guy get him I know. get him out of here
0: Yes. Oh, I, absolutely. So I've learned to play up the fact that I'm a professor, right? Yeah. And I to teach. <laughs> I play up that piece of it. I don't right. talk about basketball with them. Or I don't talk about, you got to know your audience, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know it probably feels like I'm doing a plug, but the last book I did was a fiction written for teachers, because okay. I do have a passion for teaching. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a story about a Uh, An experienced teacher who's mentoring a brand new teacher first year and just kind of about the seasons of life that teachers go through and and really try to uh, really try to help them understand that the classroom, there is a culture within the classroom Mm -hmm. and that they have an impact on that. I we talk about relationships. Is it important? So, like, I'll I'll do a debate with them. And one of the statements I'll make is uh, in order to be a great teacher, it's important that your students like you. You choose the side of the room. Do you agree or disagree with that? And it's really interesting because I can take that exact same statement and say, in order to be a great coach, it's important that your student-athletes like you.
2: Right.
0: Uh, so I totally downplay the athletic piece of it yeah, yeah. and really up the ante on the teaching part of it because I, I, I am a teacher, and uh, I do think there's no question that coaches – and learn some things from teachers, because we say it's our classroom all the time, right? And we say that, so we can learn from some of the best teachers, but I would also say teachers can absolutely learn from some of the better coaches. And more often than not, it's more challenging to get teachers to buy into that than coaches to buy into the other piece of it, kind of the the way it is. But I really try try to focus in just on the teaching part, try not to use athletic examples, um, and
1: use real-world examples from teaching, because yeah. the like principles we're all, apply. We're all in the same business, right? And it's yes. Um, yes. And, and, and there's we're all doing the same thing and working for towards the same thing, which is making kids better and, and giving Absolutely. them a quality educational experience. So um, yes. yes, it's hard, folks. I think to kind of take those those blinders down or those barriers down when they're when they're so focused on what they do within a in a school or within the culture of the school. Yes. Um, so finding strategies and helping to bring those barriers down a little bit, I think could be really helpful for a school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I think so. And I, you know, uh, like the math department at a school uh, there's usually a, a head of the math department or a chair, whatever you might call it. And how is that person who was a, was great in math and is very good gets elevated into a leadership position. And now you have to help your group of math teachers work effectively and be on the same page and all buy into the same thing. And that's a challenge. That's leadership. Just like if you were leading a team in a uh, corporate situation or we're talking about people and we're, how do we, how do we help people grow and develop and be the very best that they can be? And so um, again, same kinds of things apply that you might apply to coaches apply in the classroom, working with other adults, as well and how do you
1: differentiate the, the, with the levels because you're working with folks at quite high levels right in yeah. athletics um and then also in the corporate world and, and then you you might turn around the next day you're working with a middle school science teacher for example right so what what are some similarities or you, yeah. you might see between i'm talking more like with athletes with more specifically with athletics Yeah. What are some of the similarities you might see between a a D1 athlete you work with and maybe an average high school kid? So again, I think that's one of the things I love about
0: it is that uh, I'm never bored because I I am constantly challenged to try to wear different hats. And so uh, I I think that my experience is I've, I've had the chance to teach at every level from kindergarten all the way through PhD students. So I've had a chance to I taught kindergarten or lower school science at an all boys school in New York city. And Holy cow, teaching lower school science to kindergartners or preschool or a pre or kindergartners, first graders. That's very different than teaching or coaching football to a high school kid, uh, on the football field or basketball or track or, or whatever it is. But there are some basic things about, um, relationships. I, I focus a lot on emotional equity, for instance. I think in any kind of relationship that you're in, you have to build what I call emotional equity. If you want people to follow you, if you want people to, in the classroom you're teaching middle school science or you're a yeah, middle school coach and you're trying to get kids to buy in, you have to develop emotional equity with them. If you're an NBA coach and you're working with three or four guys who are making 10 times as much money as you are, and you're trying to get them to buy into what you're doing, uh, you have to develop that emotional equity. And what I mean by that is they have to know you care about them. They have to know that you're in it for them. They have to know that you're coming from a good place, and you've been able to take your ego and put it aside, and you're truly here to help them grow and develop. And if you can do that, then you're going to have a much better chance to get people to follow you, buy into what you're doing, be more willing to be a, a learner, a student, and, um, and, and and develop as a result of what you're trying to do with them. If I'm working with a middle school athlete, specifically say on confidence, then you know, the, the terms that I'm gonna use, the examples that I might use, the, the drills that I might have them do around self-talk, for instance, are gonna be different than they are with uh, one of our you know, football players or a lacrosse player or a track athlete at, at Duke. Uh, some of the terminology and some of the 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 skills or the drills that I'm going to work with them on are going to be a little bit different Um, and I'm not saying that I'm just great at working with every single one of those levels but I think having through through the experiences that I've had it's helped me be able to do that
2: that's great it's you know they all have problems just different size ones and different things but when they're on the court it's comes down to the same thing, I guess, right? Whether you're
0: right, and most people wouldn't think that uh, professional athletes struggle with confidence. Right. But are you kidding me? They absolutely struggle with confidence. It's 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 just at a different. They're at a different level athletically. Uh, they're still humans, and uh, they have mental health challenges. They have uh, they struggle in pressure situations sometimes. Um, they they it's amazing. They have some of the same challenges. Uh, but how we go about working around those and, and developing the skills to improve in those areas are different based on the level.
1: I want to switch gears a little bit with, um, with what you work on. I'm just curious to know, do you work much with the idea or the realm of sportsmanship in your, in your work with groups or with coaches? And, and if so, what do, you, what do you cover with that? Yeah, so uh, one of the classes I teach,
0: I teach one, I, a psychology of sport and performance class in the fall, and then I, I, in the spring, I teach sport ethics. That's like an oxymoron, sport ethics. Wow, we have a lot to, to talk about, as you can imagine. Right. And so, yes, I absolutely, I start at it from a big picture. I start from, with the captains and the coaches and really trying to challenge them to think about the type of culture that's on their team mm-hmm. is a direct reflection of them and that they need to, and their leadership, and they need to be very deliberate and conscious about what type of culture they want to create and what do they want their brand to be. Uh, With other teams in the league, uh, with uh, other teams within the school, what do you, how do you want to be represented? How do you want people to view you? Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon says, you know, your leadership brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. And I think it's the same thing with your team identity how you're viewed in the school, how you're viewed uh, with other teams that you're going to compete against. And I really try to challenge them to think about how do you want to be viewed? And they'll always say sportsmanship is important, that we do things the right way. So, okay, so what are we going to do to make sure that we're doing that? And how do we lead by that way? So how do we interact with officials? we got to lead in that way. That's the first thing that we have to do because if we're not modeling it, they're watching us and they're going to learn what's okay and what's not okay. Um, so we have some real conversations about what that looks like. I might not always, some, uh, sometimes I'll refer to it as sportsmanship, Mm -hmm. but I also find that sometimes that turns people off like sportsmanship that goes, that award goes to the teams that are not very good or, you know, sportsmanship is overused. So I really try to look at it more like how are we going to, uh, treat each other, how are we gonna treat our opponents? How are we gonna interact with each other? I I spent a lot of time around Donna Hicks wrote a great book about leading with dignity and I use a lot of her stuff in my work around the difference between respect and dignity. Mm-hmm. And we might lose respect for someone, but everyone still deserves to be treated with dignity. Even our opponents, even our people that we really struggle with. So as a team, how can we treat each other with dignity? the language that we use with each other, how we interact with each other. Um, and then same thing with our opponents that we might not respect them. We might struggle with them. Maybe they don't display great sportsmanship or great ethic in what they're doing, but we're still going
2: to treat them with dignity. That's kind of how we yeah. do things. Like that here. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that, that yeah. doesn't matter what, what level, what, you know, youth, youth, five-year-old soccer, what does all the way, all the way up? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely that yes that really it could great. also be a required class for everyone who goes to an athletic event you know because i think the you know the the fans yes. and are are sometimes the worst the worst ones right
0: well and that you know speaking of that i talk to parents and and i i i, I think most parents have their hearts in the right place and i assumed that when i went to international schools that it would be totally different but what i find is that there's a, a lot of the same challenges i think publicly it seems like international school parents for the most part are pretty good. They're not the ones yelling and screaming right. at their kids and the officials uh, like we do in here in the U S where it's, it's man, it's great. I, I tell parents in the U S if your spouse or significant other is too embarrassed to sit by you during a competition, that might be an indication that you've lost perspective, right? That, that you, people that love you the most can't even sit next to you because of the way you behave right. in the stand. And if they want if we, because when I ask parents what are the lessons you want your kids to learn from sport, they'll all say sportsmanship. Well, are you modeling sportsmanship in the way you personally
1: interact with officials during competition? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, is it a mentality? Like, it's it's an automatic way you should function when you go to be a spectator. Yes. You know, be yes. A sport or just to yell at the refs and not be there in a supportive way is it, it's, it's like it's part of the experience. I guess maybe that's their mindset. And certainly if you've
0: paid admission to go somewhere to pay to go to a college event or a professional event, that kind of when you pay, uh, that's kind of your your license to do that. And unfortunately, they've taken that model and now applied it to middle school, and upper school sports, Mm -hmm. uh, high school sports. And it's not. And, you know, I, I, I tell sometimes people, family members of the coach can't sit on the same side or the home side okay. because of the way people talk about the coach during competitions. Right. We're talking high school sports here. Yeah. yeah, Like if you go to a pro event and you're talking bad about the coach, yeah. you're probably not sitting in the pop in, up, up in the suite with the coach's wife right. or the coach's spouse. Cause if you are, I guarantee you, you're not bashing the coach. <laughs> um, right. So if you want your kids to learn sportsmanship, we have to be the ones to model. We have to take some ownership of that. Yeah. And so uh, I really try to, challenge coach uh, parents to, you know, teamwork is one that's really important for parents. And they all say, yeah, teamwork is important. I want my kids to learn teamwork. And I would argue we kind of want everybody else's kid to learn teamwork. We struggle helping our kid, own kid learn that because if our kid's on the bench, we struggle with that, right? Uh, me included. And one guy said his son was playing basketball. He said, look, Greg, I'm all about teamwork. As long as the four best kids and my kids out there playing, teamwork sounds great to me yeah well, I think that's kind of how most people are, right? Yeah. So um, so if your son or daughter's on the bench and they're not playing in a position that you want them to play or getting the playing time that you want and you see that she's pouting in volleyball, after it's over, do you have a conversation with your daughter about what it means to be a great teammate even when she's not getting to play, or do we talk to the coach about why my daughter's not playing? Yeah. See because if teamwork is important, we got to have some of those discussions around, Look, it's not always going to go our way, but when we're over there, we got to support our teammates. Right. right.
2: Yep. It's tough. It's a tough thing for a Oh, it's really challenging. You know, youth high school student and Oh, yeah. it's really challenging. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick ad break and we'll we'll come right back. If your school is in the market for bespoke sportswear, look no further than Kukri Sports. Cookery has evolved over the last 20 years from a bespoke sportswear manufacturer into a true sportswear partner, firmly believing in the value of sport at all levels. Start your journey today. Email the team at contact at CookerySports.com. Coach Evaluator is the premier coach
1: evaluation software for schools and athletic organizations and preferred coach evaluation software of the NIAAA and the Positive Coaching Alliance. The system is completely customizable with an always-growing evaluation template library for athletic directors to reference. There are not only evaluations for ADs to use, but also self-evaluations and parent-player evaluations of coaches. Learn more about digitizing and simplifying your coach evaluation process by visiting www.coachevaluator.com.
2: Uh, well, we're we're lucky enough not just to to have you with us right now, but uh, you're also going to do a couple of sessions at our summer conference series. Um, yeah. Really looking forward to um, both of them. Are going to be at uh, two o'clock uh, my time, <laughs> Vienna time, uh, July eighth and twenty second, and we'd just like to ask you a little bit about those those sessions right now, and maybe you can give a bit of a a bit of a preview for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. So one of them is really going to be whether you're an athletic administrator or you are a coach or whoever you are in a leadership position we're going to talk about credibility and i think as a coach as a leader as a teacher as an administrator you have a credibility account and your credibility is like a bank account and you're either making deposits into that or you're making withdrawals from that and so as a leader so given the context given the situation that you're in how do you establish that credibility Mm -hmm. and what are ways that you lose that credibility that we want to be able to understand and then how do we do what what do we need to do to maintain that what do we do to make sure that we're that we're doing that so Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about how we go through different seasons of our careers we go from surviving and keeping our head above water to being in that success mode where it's about me and taking a lot of credit for things and using a lot of I statements and me and my statements. And Mm -hmm. until we get to that significant stage at some point where we're being able to take our ego aside and put it in whatever's best for them, that's what I'm going to do. And that servant leadership piece, that's where I ultimately get to. And then there's a couple other stages that we start to lose our passion for what we're doing. I think we can, our credibility might be undermined. How we challenge athletes, how we challenge other people, to be excellent without undermining their confidence and undermining our credibility in the process is an art and not everyone's great at that. So I want to try to give people some ideas about how do we have a high standards? How do we hold them accountable and still not undermine their confidence, undermine our credibility as somebody who is trying to get them to follow. Right. Um, and then uh, the other piece is going to be a devout developing uh, mindset and developing whether that's an athlete or uh, you're working with athletes or you're working with someone else, how do we develop mindset around and, and, and helping our use our mind as an asset rather than a liability and really try to give some practical ideas around dealing with a- adversity. Look, it's easy to be mentally tough and have a great attitude and everything's going your way, but what about when the stuff hits the fan and things aren't going well? How do we handle that? How do we handle it not getting the, the playing time? How do we handle it when we're struggling individually? We'll talk about pressure and how to embrace pressure and how to help your athletes help other individuals learn to uh, interpret pressure differently and do things differently in those situations. And I think sometimes coaches and leaders contribute to that unnecessarily. I'm going to try to give them some ideas about how to, how to do with that. And then talk a little bit about confidence and how I don't think it's confidence is a gift that you can just bestow on others but well, we can have a big influence on that. So, how can we help them develop their confidence uh, as individuals? So, those are some of the things that we'll talk about in that, that second. That's
2: great. And it, I think, obviously, mental toughness and and confidence, as you said, it it doesn't matter, you know, where you are. Um, it mm-hmm. it's a thing. It's an issue, and I find it especially hard coaching internationally because we don't have, you know, regular season games really with 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 fans or. You know, they're just all friendlies or it's not a big deal. Sometimes you don't even keep score. Um, And then you fly to a conference and, you know, you've paid a bit of money and everybody's there. There's 12 teams maybe. And now it's all, now it's for everything, you know. So you've had no pressure situation maybe the whole season, maybe your whole career. Because we're getting, you know, people playing new sports and and things. And then, boom, there you are. And the coach is uh, heightened. You know, the officials are heightened. The, there's people watching. So it's, it's really from zero to 100. And, uh, <laughs> it's lighting it's, in a bottle. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, it's, and that's, that's very unique, but what a great – and I've heard
0: – I haven't had a chance to witness that. I hope yeah. I get to someday, but to me, that's the epitome of, of what a pressure situation right. is like. And, so, and as a coach, how do you practice for that? Uh, it's hard to practice. It's hard to replicate for that but you can do some things going into that to help relieve some of that. Um, and I want to give them some ideas about how to do that. And number one, how you are acting is going to be a huge thing. Do they see differences in you? If you're uptight, they're going to be uptight right. and how do you approach it and how you, the language that you use and, the, and, the, and how you talk about it is going to go a long way in helping them uh, just focus on how we play and just doing that. Cause I would argue the teams that do well in those situations aren't the ones that are that do something spectacular or feel like that to be special. They're the ones that just do their thing and just trust that and, and relax and go and go play. Yeah. They're the ones that end up doing better.
1: So how can we get into that? Place? Yeah. Right. And those are all things that are transferable to the big game of life too. No well. Absolutely. Oh, no doubt about it. Stuff. And that's one
0: of the things I try to get. It's hard for teenagers, but really trying to help them understand that, like for, for, for kids, when we talk about confidence and pressure and we talk about adversity and those things, they kind of have three buckets in their life. They have their, their extracurricular, they have their social, and then they have their academic piece. It absolutely applies to all three of those buckets. And if we're talking about your confidence tank, so to speak, and your, your confidence tank is full in your athletic piece, but socially it's here and you know, academically it's here and, and it fluctuates. What are we doing to, to fill those buckets? What are we doing to, to do that? And for kids, and coaches need to understand that kids might have a great confidence in one area, but they might be struggling in another area. And, um, and so we have to demonstrate some empathy there and some compassion and, and understand that. So uh, it absolutely, to your point, Matt, it applies to every aspect of our life.
2: Great. All right. Well, Greg, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we want to let you get back to the beach because I know you're, well, you're on yeah. holiday right well,
0: now. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks Here? for. I mean, it's been a pleasure. I, I, again love what you guys are doing. Thanks
1: for giving me the opportunity to spend time with you. Right. Well, we appreciate you taking time out of your holiday. That, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Great. All right. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll uh, come over here to Central Europe and have a um, conference man, with us and see someone. Yeah, one. love that. Great.
2: Well, there is love there is a, a connection, you know, because uh, we were saying the one director that you got to know in in Thailand, I believe, right, mm-hmm. uh, is yeah. going to be the new director in Budapest next year. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Brett Penny. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Oh wow. So, okay.
0: Yeah. Very, very cool, Brett. Brett, uh, Brett is a great guy. Yeah. I, and Oh, that's right. I forgot. I, I went to, his, I, I, geez, I can't believe I did, forgot. I went to his school too and spent a lot of time there in, uh, in Thailand too. So yeah. that's another school that I got a chance to spend time with. Great.
1: Yeah. Small world. world, small world. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot guys. And I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We'll before then about connecting and all that. And yeah,
2: I'll definitely be in yep. touch. I'll send you a link and. Okay. We'll be all ready. Sounds great. All right. Okay. Take okay. care, guys. Have a great rest of your week. All
0: right. See you. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Until next week, this has been
0: another episode of the Globetrotten ADs.